the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Oh, yes, indeed. Good morning. Thank you so very much for being with us this morning as we get started at 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. It is a Friday, but not just any kind of a Friday. It is a free-for-all Friday! Oh, yes, indeed it is. And it's a real free-for-all today on the 23rd morning of the month of groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. We are guest-free today. We have not scheduled a guest-free Friday in months. I mean, seriously, to make it a true free-for-all where we will indeed take your calls about anything and everything that is on your mind, whether it be one of the topics that we have uh, been focusing on or not. We will take your calls on a free-for-all Friday from stem to stern. Uh, start to finish, or as Hugh Hewitt likes to say, from soup to nuts. Beginning to end, uh, it is your show today. So whatever it is you want to talk about, I do have several things I'm going to present, but there will be no interviews uh, today, so we will have plenty of time for you. So 216-901-0945 and 888 The numbers are there for you to get in. We do have a lot of very important stuff to talk about, though. And we're going to start talking about them right after we do our Pledge of Allegiance. So, patriots, please stand, face your flag, 
as the good people at the Eastside GOP did yesterday. I was welcomed as the guest speaker there. Wonderful crowd of people. Thank you to Lucy Sticken. Thank you to Charlie Kalani, by the way, uh, and others who had me there. Thanks to Judge Dan Hawkins, who was there. He's going to be a, a phenomenal Supreme Court justice if we treat him right and do the right thing, uh, which will be coming up in 2024. Uh, but uh, great event last night and uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, show of patriotism and support. So let's do the same thing now. Put your hand on your heart, face that flag. If you are a believer in the two-tiered system of justice that allows Hunter Biden and Joe Biden to be criminals and uh, without any repercussions whatsoever, well, then you, of course, are exempt from pledging allegiance to a flag you don't believe in. You may instead take a knee over over there uh, next to that unemployed quarterback and maybe genuflect before the soviet russian flag or the chinese communist flag something like that might make you a little bit more comfortable for the rest of us however i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all so um when I was a younger guy, about 25 years of youngerness, uh, yeah, I made that word up, um, I used to watch a little bit of MTV, and they used to have this thing on MTV called uh, the Celebrity Deathmatch. Uh, maybe you're aware of it, maybe you're not. Um, it was funny. They used claymation figures to put celebrities in a boxing ring. There really wasn't an octagon 25 years ago. Uh, so we're talking like late 90s, I think, is when this whole thing really started. Maybe a little earlier in the 90s. I'm not 100% sure, but 20, 25, 30, whatever it is years ago. But they took celebrities that might have a grudge against one another, and they put them in a boxing ring, and uh, they had them, like, try to kill each other. It was like, instead of, it was kind of a precursor to MMA, mixed martial arts, and ultimate fighting, because anything goes kind of a thing, but it included weapons and chainsaws and this and that. Yeah. You know, it was just funny, because they were claymation. You can't hurt them. You know, it, it's like animated. And um, as an example, it, sometimes it wasn't even grudges that, that celebrities might have. Sometimes it was just their names. For example, they did Charles Manson versus Marilyn Manson. Then they did, you know, the the the, the bebop uh, uh, um uh, bands, you know, Spice Girls, which is an all-girls uh, pop band versus Hanson, an all-boys little boy band. They did celebrities like Hillary Clinton against Monica Lewinsky, you know, for Bill Clinton's love. They did Mariah Carey versus Jim Carey, just because their last names are Carey. They did Tim Allen versus Jerry Seinfeld because they were both popular comedians with TV shows. You get the point? It was really funny. They did uh, Rosie O'Donnell versus Oprah Winfrey. Two of the uh, female GabFest talk show hosts. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone was a good one, for obvious reasons. Why am I bringing this up? Because we're about to see a real celebrity death match, minus the death part. Mark Zuckerberg, one of the wealthiest men in the world, CEO of the most popular social media app in the world, Facebook, could very well be getting into the ring if he accepts the challenge, and it looks like he has, from one of the other richest men in the world, the CEO of the second most popular, last time I checked, if the numbers switched, I don't know, but second most popular uh, um, social media app and platform in the world, 
Twitter CEO and owner Elon Musk. Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk in a cage doing a celebrity death match in real life. This is, I mean, again, minus the death part, this is something that is actually going to happen, according to um, multiple news news uh, stories. Listen. National Public Radio told its nearly 9 million followers on Twitter today that it's quitting the platform owned by Elon Musk. Twitter labeled NPR's main account as state-affiliated media, later changing it to government-funded media, which NPR says undermined its editorial independence. This might be the wrong clip. My apologies if it is. Hold on, let's see. Interview revealed he would sell Twitter to the right owner. Okay, yeah, this is the wrong clip. My apologies for that. I've got the wrong clip uh, queued up here, but I'll just tell you what I was going to play for you. Mark Zuckerberg has agreed to fight Elon Musk in a cage match that would feature the billionaire leaders of the two giant tech companies. Whether they're joking or not remains to be seen. One might think from Musk's vantage point. Um, that he's just joking. He talked about uh, potentially fighting Mark Zuckerberg in response to some things that Zuckerberg had said. And uh, Mark Zuckerberg is in training, apparently. He trains just for you know self-defense purposes or for fun. I don't know what a multi-billionaires do. But in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is a you know grappling style of fighting. And um, so when Elon Musk was made aware of that, uh, he, he tweeted uh, in response to, to, to somebody talking about it, I'm up for a cage match if he is. And Mark Zuckerberg apparently replied, uh, give me the location, like I'm in. Now whether or not that caught Musk by surprise and made him say, well now I've got to follow through with this or, not, uh, you know, uh, or else I look really, really bad, I don't know. But he did say, let's do it. Now there are talks about locations. Now there are talks about who would be the referee. Now now there are talks about what platform it would be viewable on. Send me a location, Zuckerberg said. And Elon Musk said, let's do this. Elon Musk uh, suggested the Vegas Octagon possibly referring to the UFC Apex in Las Vegas as the site for this billionaire brawl. He also said he's ready because he has a move called the walrus in which he lays on top of an opponent and does nothing, which I think is obviously his way of saying I'm really not too terribly serious about this, but he has to play along. The CEO of SpaceX and Tesla, in addition to Twitter, Elon Musk, said he will do it, quote, if this is for real. When asked about the fight, a meta spokesperson, which is the parent company of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg told CBS, the story speaks for itself. And now people are literally starting to take bets on who will win. It's not scheduled. Zuckerberg is an actual MMA training, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu training individual. Elon Musk is, if you've ever seen him in any interviews, he's not, you know, he's not buff. I'll try to be kind. He's not buff. You know, neither am I. So this isn't throwing stones. It's just to be comparing the two. Elon Musk is much bigger. He's six one, about one eighty five. They say uh, Mark Zuckerberg's about five seven and one fifty. Uh, but Mark Zuckerberg is training and fighting, and Elon Musk is not. So the question is: Is this, is this really going to happen? Zuckerberg won gold and silver medals in his first jiu-jitsu tournament. Not sure what the level of competition was, but this is what he did. 
there's a series of photographs that show him grappling with different opponents in, the, in this Brazilian jiu-jitsu competition just last month. Elon Musk has done no such fighting at all. Uh, pro boxer, kind of, sort of, and fellow social media influencer Jake Paul told Elon Musk that he would gladly help promote this event and maybe even train him, but it would take some, some doing. The reason the story is interesting and fun, to me anyway, first of all, because it reminds me of Celebrity Deathmatch, as I mentioned, from, uh, from MTV. And second of all, there are two very divergent um, business models and opinions when it comes to freedom in the United States of America that would be clashing here. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is Elon Musk is a champion for free speech. Mark Zuckerberg is one of the most dictatorial business owners and social media uh, owners uh, and developers that we have ever seen. Facebook jail is, is, is a real thing. It became a real thing for good reason. Because people who post things and make comments or show photographs of things that are completely legitimate and justified, but that Mark Zuckerberg and his quote-unquote fact-checkers and his moderators, if they don't like it, they will ban you and put you in Facebook jail in, in the blink of an eye. Twitter used to do the same thing when Jack Dorsey was running it. But Elon Musk bought Twitter and threw all of that out, almost all of it, almost all of it. Now, the, the sad reality is Elon Musk, for even for being the CEO who spent, what was it, $50 billion or something of that, 40 or $50 billion to buy Twitter, to just literally, he says he's a free speech absolutist. He wants people to be able to say what they want to say. He doesn't want people to not be able to criticize and condemn climate change studies. He wants people to be free to criticize uh, poison darts. You know, the jabs in the arm that uh, they forced everybody to get? He wants people to be able to say what they want to say, short of straight-up um, profanity. Well, profanity is allowed, too, but you know what I'm talking about. Things like N-words and, 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 and you know, praising of, of things like Nazism and, and, and those kinds of things. But generally speaking, it's a wide-open platform. So it's free speech versus, well, Pravda. Because that's how Mark Zuckerberg runs Facebook. You know, like like Pravda, like Soviet-style media, where it is censored to within an inch of its life, uh, and, and unapproved language gets you fired and maybe even killed. All right, Zuckerberg doesn't kill people, but you understand the point. He kills their accounts. He kills their accounts. He suspends them. Or he, uh, or he uh, uh, closes them all together, whereas Elon Musk... And by the way, when I said a second ago, it, it, Elon Musk has turned Twitter around in an amazing way. It does embrace the First Amendment. It does support free speech. But it's still not perfect. Matt Walsh, about a month ago, um, from the Daily Wire, released his movie, What is a Woman?, which had been available only for pay-per-view. He released it for free on Twitter, and you may recall we covered the story. Twitter wouldn't allow the link to be shared. It wouldn't allow it to be promoted among other people. People could find it if they wanted to, but some of Twitter's moderators wouldn't allow it to be shared. And come to find out, 
there are moderators working in Twitter who were simply working in contravention of Elon Musk's um, platform-wide orders. They were subsequently fired. They posted their firings or their resignations on Twitter the following day. Um, Elon Musk, you know, figured out who was doing this and who was blocking the sharing of what is a woman, uh, and uh, and again, you know, terminated them. And those individuals posted pictures of themselves leaving and saying it was worth it. This is, you know, this is, you know, I wasn't going to allow this stuff to go on with my with my complicity. This attack on trans people, you know, the movie What Is a Woman is an attack on trans people. They say. So there are still moderators working within Twitter who aren't kind of following company orders. I know this because I am under a severe shadow ban. When I first came back to Twitter a few months ago after I left the platform for three years because I was sick and tired of the uh, of the censorship, I had around 40,000 followers at the time. When I came back uh, a few months ago, uh, they started to pick up right again. I had 1,000 followers, 2,000, 3,000 in very, very short order, and it was growing uh, very, very quickly. Now it's six months later, and I'm only at 6,000 followers. And now reach that I had where I would post a tweet that would get, you know, 200, 300, 400 likes and, and 100 comments. Now they're getting 14 likes and four comments. They're being seen by a very, very much smaller audience, and I know why. I go on Twitter like a bull in a china shop. I go on Twitter and I call things the way they are, and I don't pull punches. And the same moderators that were blocking Matt Walsh from sharing his film I think some of those are still working behind the scenes and really, really shutting down conservative influencers or uh, commentators the best they can. But those are rogues in the new Twitterverse. In the real Twitterverse, Elon Musk has brought free speech back. So here's a celebrity death match worth watching. Here's a celebrity death match worth uh, paying for. And if they would agree to make sure that all proceeds go to a charity that they mutually agree upon, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, I will pay to watch an octagon battle between these two guys. And I will be cheering for Elon Musk like nothing ever happened before. I would be cheering because to me this would be literally the founding fathers against modern-day socialist Democrats. The founding fathers who authored the First Amendment and gave us freedom of speech against those who today are trying to wipe it from existence. It would be literally a battle between good and evil. Let's not say everything Mark Zuckerberg has ever done is evil and everything Elon Musk has ever done is good, but you understand the point, bigger picture. I would be all over this. And if they gave the money to charity, I would pay for it. So it's good versus evil, it's free free speech versus censorship, and I just think it's a phenomenal idea. I hope it happens. And I also hope they give Elon a few months to train, because I think he would be in some serious trouble in getting the victory. 927, it's always right radio. It's a free-for-all Friday. we got a lot to talk about. Um, it's worse than we thought with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. We'll get that, to that story next on always right radio and 1420 The Answer. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, 
936, good Friday morning to you. Thanks for being with us. It's a free for all Friday. Phone lines are wide open at 216-901-0945. But we do have news to present to you. And believe it or not, as I set the table here for some explosive testimony in closed-door meetings with the Ways and Means Committee from two whistleblowers, uh, I, I'm going to start with a report from NBC News. This is one of the networks, believe it or not, instead of coming with, women. Instead of coming, where did you come from? Where did you come from, uh, Mark Robinson? I don't know why he's playing. Um, rather than starting with a Newsmax or a Fox News or one of those uh, stories, I'm going to give you one of the networks. I'm going to give you Lester Holt and NBC News actually presenting this in a fairly um, complete way. Listen. Many released testimony today from two IRS whistleblowers who say the DOJ, the FBI, and their IRS superiors improperly interfered with their investigation of Hunter Biden. The only thing missing from that was the word Biden DOJ and Biden FBI and Biden uh, 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 Attorney General Merrick Garland. Biden's. Department of Justice interfered with independent investigations of Hunter Biden's myriad of crimes or alleged crimes um, with uh, overseas companies. Listen. Who agreed to a plea deal this week. Garrett Haig joins us. Garrett, what do the whistleblowers have to say? Lester, these two senior IRS agents allege that the president's son received preferential treatment throughout the five-year tax investigation that resulted in two misdemeanor guilty pleas this week. Preferential treatment? For, for the son of Joe Biden? The hell you say. In testimony released by a Republican-led House committee, the agents accused the DOJ and the FBI of slow-walking portions of Biden's DOJ and Biden's FBI. I want complete reporting here. The Biden, this isn't from, from five years ago when Trump's DOJ was on the case. The Biden DOJ and the Biden FBI gave preferential treatment to Joe Biden's son. Of slow-walking portions of the investigation to Hunter Biden's benefit, and that efforts by the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney leading the probe to charge more serious crimes were blocked. A DOJ spokesman tonight denied any such interference. One whistleblower also provided what he says are WhatsApp messages from Hunter Biden to a Chinese business associate from 2017, in which the younger Biden says he's sitting with his father, waiting on a response to a proposal, and that he and the then former vice president will make the business partner regret not responding. Now, NBC News has not yet confirmed the authenticity of that message. The White House tonight says President Biden has upheld his commitment to let this investigation proceed free of any political interference. Hunter Biden's attorneys have not responded to our request for comment. Joe Biden is on tape in multiple locations and multiple sources in multiple settings saying that he has never discussed Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings with Hunter Biden. Now, on its face, we know that to be categorically false for a number of reasons, including just the the obvious. Joe Biden has spent hours upon hours upon hours with his son in public settings as they board Air Force Two when he was uh, vice president together to fly around the world, as they have boarded Air Force One together. To think that, as the President of the United States travels the globe with his son, who is on a board of a Ukrainian energy company and on a board of a different energy company in China, 
and involved with American either allies or adversaries, and the president, then vice president, and now president of the United States has never talked to him about anything going on in those countries relative to his business with those countries, it's just impossible to believe, like I said, on its face. But now we have so much more than just common sense belief and common sense understanding. Now we have verifiable information in the form of text messages that were presented by whistleblowers to this in this private setting, in the closed-door setting to the Ways and Means Committee that show Hunter Biden discussing his overseas business deals with his overseas business partners and his father at the same time. And I'm going to quote. This is a Hunter Biden text message presented by whistleblowers to Henry Zhao, a Chinese businessman who had already sent $5 million to the Bidens. Quote, I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, he calls him Z for short because this is Henry Zhao, Z-H-A-O, Chinese businessman. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, that's his dad, the man sitting next to me and every person he knows, and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction, I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Damning doesn't begin to describe what this is for the Biden family. Damning doesn't begin to describe what this means for the United States of America. Because it points to the current commander-in-chief, the former vice president of the United States, and his son (laughs) taking bribes from foreign agents in most Importantly here, communist adversaries to the United States. This isn't just Ukraine anymore. Now we're talking about actual physical evidence and digital evidence in the form of these uh, these text messages that Joe was extorting from these Chinese businessmen with his father's full support. And now... News stories from all over the cycle, including the Washington Post, blowing the whistle on all of it, thanks to the actual whistleblowers who have come forth. Among the shock, shocking details made public yesterday by the House Ways and Means Committee, the Hunter Biden probe was opened in November 2018 off the back of an investigation the IRS was conducting of a foreign-based amateur online pornography platform. That is a direct quote from one of the whistleblowers whose name is known, Gary Shapley. That matters, by the way. Whistleblowers, by their very nature, generally stay anonymous because the blowback that whistleblowers face, the, the, the repercussions are often extraordinary and devastating and sometimes lethal. So normally they stay uh, quiet and anonymous. 
Um, this whistleblower says, I don't care. I'm coming forward. I want people to know who I am because I have the facts and the receipts. Gary Shapley. The first son, that's Hunter, was given the code name Sportsman by investigators. Now, I can't overstate this enough. The painstaking detail that has been offered here yesterday, again, reinforces the reality. These are things that you would need you would need Hollywood screenwriters to come up with in order to to advance a story like this and make it believable. You would need the details that they have here is what I'm trying to say would, would, would be extraordinary if they were fictionalized. It would take a really, really difficult effort to write this kind of stuff and fictionalize it unless you're part of the Hillary Clinton campaign circa 2015 and 2016, and you did employ people to write fictional, um, uh, uh, present fictional evidence and write fictional accounts of potential collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians. Because they did make that evidence up, and they did submit it in the Crossfire Hurricane uh, scandal, and they did submit it. Uh, to a FISA court in order to get a warrant to spy on these evil Russian assets in the Trump campaign. We all know the story by now. But but to, to get this much detail, uh, it would take that kind of an effort. And if you believe that there's that kind of an effort going to frame Hunter Biden and Joe Biden the way they tried to frame Donald Trump, that would take an awful lot to, to, to convince people. Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss sought to bring federal charges against Hunter in the Central District of California and in Washington, D.C. last year, but was denied both times by the Biden-appointed U.S. attorneys Martin Estrada and Matthew Graves in those respective locations. According to the second whistleblower who has remained anonymous, Gary Shapley is one, the other one is remaining anonymous, perhaps for fear, The investigation covered the years 2014 through 2019, during which Hunter and his associates received approximately $17.3 million from Ukraine, Romania, and Communist China. With the first son alone, Hunter scooping up $8.3 million of those dollars for himself. Investigators pressed for felony charges against Hunter for ducking $2.2 million in tax payments rather than misdemeanors announced Tuesday as part of a probation-only plea deal. They wanted felony charges, which they should have been. But as we know, this is the son of Joe Biden, one of the most corrupt human beings in federal government, much less in the history of the American presidency. So they got those things dropped to misdemeanors, as you know. Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf discouraged investigators from pursuing lines of questioning related to Joe Biden, saying at one point that there was, quote, no specific criminality, end quote, according to whistleblower Shapley. The revelation that Biden appointees blocked charges against his son is politically explosive because Merrick Garland, the AG, testified under oath to Congress earlier this year that that Weiss was empowered to bring charges outside of Delaware. Intentionally misleading Congress is a crime. In case you did not know, Merrick Garland may very well have perjured himself, and according to what the whistleblowers are saying, did perjure himself testifying before Congress, the Attorney General of the United States. My friends, I'm going to be painstaking in in the details on this because 
this is what they would be doing if there was an honest, legitimate, curious media. And, and, and if this was 30 years ago, that's what would be happening. But because there is no longer a curious media, because there is no longer journalistic integrity, it takes, it, it's a very select few media members like the New York Post that I'm quoting from right now that are going to go into the depth of this. I gave you NBC to start this segment because that's all you're going to get from NBC. A minute and 30 of, here's an allegation, the White House denies it. Now let's move on to sports. They would have scores of journalists digging into this if this was 30 years ago, and more specifically, if this was a Republican president with a Republican son who is a crackhead whoremonger who couldn't wait for his own brother to die so that he could start sleeping with his dead brother's widow. All of the things that we know about Hunter Biden, all of the things that have been put forth are, are material evidence in this case of of blocking investigations of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's complicity in all of this, the media isn't doing its job. And now here's the best part. And by best part, I mean worst part. The left is saying that guys like me and people who are focusing on this very bombshell revelation from the Ways and Means Committee and the whistleblowers yesterday, they're saying we're the ones doing the covering up. They say we're trying to cover up the Donald Trump indictment and the story of his trial by taking the attention off of him and putting it on Joe Biden and Hunter. They think we're the ones doing the witch hunt. Actually, I should rephrase that. They don't think that. That's what they want you to believe. They know it's crap. We're not trying to cover. I think everybody in America knows Donald Trump is facing two different indictments, one in Manhattan and one in, uh, in Florida. And the one in Georgia is probably right around the corner. Everybody knows that. We're not trying to cover up what they're doing to Donald Trump. We want the truth to come out about what is happening with the current, right now, man sitting in charge of the United States of America and thus the free world. His corruption and his corruption with and aligned with his crackhead son. The, uh, let's see, um, Weiss. We'll go back here and, and, and kind of try to set the table again so you know. This is the Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss signed off this week on the Delaware plea deal, the sweetheart deal that Hunter got. He sought to be appointed special counsel in the case at least twice, including as recently as spring 2022, was turned down by the Biden Justice Department, both whistleblowers alleged in their Ways and Means testimony. Shapley, one of the whistleblowers, sat for six hours, a six-hour deposition with the committee on May 26th, took over the Hunter Biden case in January of 2020, and said that investigators had turned up fresh evidence of Joe Biden's involvement in his family's overseas income. But remember, Joe Biden is on tape. I can play him if you want. Multiple times saying, I've never talked, he said to Peter Ducey from Fox, I've never talked to my son about his overseas business dealings. Huh. Well, that's a, that's a surprise given the evidence and not just words that are being thrown around now, including eye-popping communications from Hunter Biden's iCloud account. A message that directly implicated Joe Biden in an attempt to coerce money from a Chinese businessman is on a message 
from Hunter's iCloud account. We obtained a July 30th, 2017 WhatsApp message from Hunter Biden to Henry Zhao, where Hunter Biden wrote, and I read this to you before, I'm sitting here with my father, and we, not I, we would like to understand why the commitment has not been made. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. We couldn't believe that we saw that, the second whistleblower said. That was more indication that uh, that the dad might have been involved than we ever had before. Zhao works for Harvest Fund Management, a Communist Party. He's a Communist Party official, and his fund was associated with BHR Partners in an investment fund that Hunter co-founded in 2013, days after he joined his vice president dad aboard Air Force Two. Did I mention this a few minutes ago? For an official trip to Beijing. Can you imagine that? I just want you to, I know I gotta take a time out here. And I know you wanna say something. I've got, I've got full phone lines, but let me say this again. I want you to try to imagine and make yourself believe this. Don't, don't view this or approach this with skepticism the way I am. I want you to say, can I make myself believe that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden got on board Air Force Two to fly to Beijing, China, to talk to Beijing business associates, and that they never talked about business on the way to, during the visit to Beijing, or on the way back, about business with one another. Can you make yourself, if I try really hard, can I find a scenario in which Joe and Hunter are side-by-side on an airplane going to Beijing to do business, but not talking about business? That this is just Hunter's deal. Hunter might have a deal going on with a with a with a Chinese energy company, I, but that's not anything I know. Why would I ask him about that? I'm going to ask him about what, uh, how, how his um, how his unrecognized and unsupported daughter is doing. Oh, the daughter that doesn't exist. Yeah, uh, no. Are they going to talk about? Uh, hey, how was it with Bo's uh, widow? Are they going to talk about soccer matches? What are they going to talk about? They're on the way to Beijing, and they're not talking about Chinese businesses and Hunter's involvement therewith. Are you seriously, can you make yourself believe that? I don't think if you tried, you can make yourself believe that. What am I getting to here? I think you know what I'm getting to here. Joe Biden is a corrupt president. He was a corrupt vice president. He has been corrupt virtually his entire life, and his son is worse than he is. Matter of fact, you might say that his son is growing up to be just like Joe. I'll be right back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz. On AM 1420, the answer. It's just, it's incredible to me that the mainstream media refuses to report this, Congressman. I mean, the whistleblower said that the IRS wanted to charge Hunter Biden with several more felonies. Attorney David Weiss wanted to bring... Well, I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump... But he was denied by the Department of Justice. Here's what Attorney General Merrick Garland said before the Senate Judiciary Committee in March. I want to know from you, did he perjure himself? Watch this. 
Uh, the, the U.S. attorney in Delaware has been uh, advised that he has full authority to bring cases in other jurisdictions. Uh, he is not to be denied uh, anything that he needs. I have pledged not to interfere uh, with that investigation, and I uh, have carried through on my pledge. The whistleblower is telling us the exact opposite. Did Merrick Garland commit perjury there? Maria, the whistleblowers, more than one, are um, telling us the exact opposite. In fact, they said that there was not independence in the Justice Department with the, the U.S. attorney in Delaware. That U.S. attorney in Delaware, according to the whistleblowers, tried to bring charges in the District of Columbia and was denied. Tried to bring charges in Central District of California, was denied. Requested a special counsel, was denied. So clearly, it's not an independent investigation, according to the Attorney General of the United States. So that's where we are. I will not let go of this bone. I'm going to be like a, like a bulldog on a meat wagon. I am going to hold on to this because they want it to go away. They don't want us covering this. They don't want this on the network news. They don't want it on cable news. They don't want it anywhere. And that's why we're going to continue on this. There is nothing in jeopardy here short of the entire justice system of the United States of America. If Joe Biden is able to get away with covering for his corrupt, criminal, crackhead, whoremongering, bribe-taking son, if he's allowed to get away with covering for him as President of the United States, and not only covering for him, but enriching himself and other members of the family through him, without the DOJ being able to fully investigate it, then there is no DOJ. There is no justice system. There is no justice, quite literally, in the United States of America anymore. So I want this to be clear to everybody. This is not an attempt to cover up and try to one-up the left because of what they're doing to Donald Trump. What they're doing to Donald Trump is unconstitutional, and it is personal and professional and political persecution. Because Donald Trump did nothing, even with regard to those documents, that many others haven't done and never faced charges. It is political, personal and professional persecution of Donald Trump. What we're looking for here is not the same thing in return. This isn't political, personal persecution of Joe Biden or his son or the Biden family. This is real. This is legitimate. This is evidenced. There are whistleblowers. There are federal forms. There are digital messages. There is information and emails on the Biden family laptop of crimes that proves, that proves there is enough to fully investigate the current president of the United States for all of this corruption. And the investigation will never happen for all of the reasons you are hearing here. We're not trying to one-up them or just say what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If they can go after our guy, we'll go after their guy. No, that is not what this is. This is real, this is legitimate, and the mainstream media will not cover it. So you doggone well better be sure we will. 
Well, the Justice Department simply has turned a blind eye to Hunter Biden. They were told to stand down. Uh, that's what our FBI whistleblower told us uh, when we learned of the discovery of the 1023 form that alleged Joe Biden took a bribery from the most trusted, highest paid FBI informant. Uh, they were told to stand down when we brought in the, the general counsel for the National Archives, uh, when they were trying to uh, write a story on their on their website about Joe Biden mishandling classified documents. They were told by the Department of Justice to stand down. And now what we've heard today with the IRS whistleblower, uh, when they were uh, obvious, looking at the obvious tax violations by the Biden family, they were told to stand down. So this is a pattern that the Department of Justice has interfered and given preferential treatment to the Biden criminal activities. Where's the Washington Post on this? That was James Comer, by the way, Oversight Committee Chair. Can you imagine if the Washington Post of the Watergate era was still in existence today? It's not. Yeah, the newspaper is still there, but not as it was. It's no longer a journalistic outlet. It's no longer uh, anyone that is interested whatsoever in actually exposing the truth, using its powers as the fourth estate to, to tell the American people what's going on with their government. Washington Post brought down a president. Where's the Washington Post today when this president is doing things far worse than anything the Watergate scandal ever proved? Anything Nixon ever did or was complicit in or was done on his behalf, this is far worse. They're not touching it. Gary is calling us from Seven Hills. Gary, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420. The answer, fire away, sir. Hi, Bob. So we know that the um, deep state by way of the FBI, interfered with the 2016 election. We know that they interfered with the 2000 or 2020 election by not releasing the uh, the laptop the data. Laptop. Yep. What's to say that they're not interfering with the 2024 election by releasing this information now while the Democrats are going to be picking their uh, candidate for uh, to run for president in 2024. Well, the Democrats have already picked that candidate. They won't even let Bobby Kennedy t- uh, debate him. They they won't even give Bobby Kennedy the the the, uh, the benefit of, of acknowledgement that he exists. The only time they recognize him is to call him a quack and an anti-vaxxer. Bobby Kennedy is polling at 20% in the Democrat numbers, and he is such a threat to Joe Biden that they are they're burying him. So I think they're pretty well set that they are... You know, they're going to go forward with Skeletor. I think there's two entities, though. There's the Democrat Party, and then there's the deep state. And the deep state doesn't think that Biden can win in 2024, and they're releasing this information now to torpedo him. I might I, agree I, with that um, if if I agreed with the predicate that they, they don't believe Biden can win in 2024. I think they believe Biden can win in 2024 if the opponent is Donald Trump. Because President Trump is so wildly unpopular with moderates, and particularly women. We know the numbers. When he was asked by Brett Baer about that, how are you going to win him back? He had no answer. Instead, he went back to say, I was robbed in 2020. President Trump 
is going to probably breeze to victory in the primary, but he will struggle mightily in the general election, and I think they know it. And that's why they continue to love his polls surging every time they issue a new indictment against him. I think they believe Biden would win in a rematch, even if they have to um, you know, put their thumbs on the scales and, and participate in whatever they have to to make it happen. But I think they, I think they do have confidence, and I think they're going to be happy uh, to have him there and then maybe make the handoff uh, after a year or so into the second term to Kamala. Perhaps you're right, but I, I'm just so suspicious of anything that comes out of the FBI, even the whistleblowers. Yeah. Uh, we we just got to be be aware of all that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with that fact, my friend. Uh, and thank you, Gary, for the call. Um, I'm very suspicious about anything and everything that comes from, as you say, from the deep state. And and yeah, uh, it is real. It's legitimate. Sometimes it's hard to tell friends from foes. Um, you know, obviously it seems like these whistleblowers are, are friends of justice and enemies of the corrupt Biden crime family. But you're right. If this were to somehow bring him down now, it does clear the decks for somebody else. Um, you know, if they feel like you're, you're, it's a legitimate suspicion to have. But I don't think that's the way this is playing out. I don't think that's what's going on here. I think James Comer. And Jim Jordan, and you know the the rest of the uh, the House committee chairs who have promised since before the 2022 election, in which they were given uh, the majority back, that if they were to get those spots and get those chairmanships and have subpoena power, that they would dig to the bottom of Joe Biden at every t- uh, opportunity they have. And they're making good on that. This is only June. They've only had the, <laughs> the only Congress has only been in, in, in session for six months. And the digging that they are doing is exactly what they promised they would do. And I'm pretty sure the Democrats, even if there is a deep state, and I know there is, even if the Democrats... Um, uh, you know, no matter what they say about this, they are making the the Republican chairs of these committees are making good on their promises. Let's let's phrase it that way. Um, let's uh, move to Tom in Strongsville. Tom, you're at AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning. Fire away. Good morning, Bob. Hey, saw you at Harvest Saloon last Wednesday for Flag Day when you did your wonderful presentation. So thank you very much for coming out to the uh, Strongsville GOP on that one. Well, thanks for uh, attending. It was really cool. Uh, Looking forward to seeing Kirsten out here too coming up. July nineteenth. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be another great, you know, presentation. So hey, just to kind of lighten things up, uh you were talking about celebrity deathmatch yeah. earlier in the program. I too remember celebrity deathmatch. And you were going back and you were saying some different matches. Yeah. Uh the one that whenever I think of celebrity deathmatch the, the, the one I think of was the match between Steven Tyler and Mick Jagger. Do you remember that one by chance? I remember it. I don't oh. remember anything that happened in it, but I remember that was uh-huh. one of their head-to-heads, yes. It was one of the funniest ones you've <laughs> ever seen. Google it or whatever it's called these days, YouTube. So it's just good. But I just want to kind of lighten it up on Friday. You're, you are so spot on every single time that you go to get on the radio. So, well, so you're seeing me again at Harvest Saloon and, uh, God bless you. Thank you, Tom. God bless you. Appreciate it. Yeah, um, you know, there's a question for a free-for-all Friday show like this one, too. In addition to the one that might actually happen, the celebrity death match minus the death part um, between Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, what celebrity death match from today's celebrity or political figures would you pay to see? I mean, if you just turned the radio on, you didn't hear the opening of the show. Um 
MTV, back when MTV was worth watching, before they went all crazy woke you know, with the modern movement, uh, they just used to do some entertaining stuff. First of all, they did music videos. Gasp. I don't even know if they do music videos anymore on MTV. I have not turned on MTV deliberately. I can't tell you in how many years. But 25 years ago or so, when I was watching it as a younger guy, and they had fun stuff. They had fun programming like Celebrity Deathmatch, which was uh, 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 claymation, you know, the clay, the clay animation uh, in, in, a, in a boxing ring, or what today we would probably call an octagon, but it was just a boxing ring. They had uh, celebrities, you know, fight one another to the death. And it was, you know, of course it's clay, so cutting off heads and stuff was, was just hilarious because it's clay. Anyway... Um, they they had these and they would they would pit for those who didn't know uh, they would pit celebrities of the time maybe based on their names or based on their their jobs based on their uh, pol- uh, political affiliations or whatnot against one another and they would have these funny hilarious death matches like he just said Steven Tyler versus Mick Jagger um, which I can see the reason why that would be hilarious anyway now I brought it up this morning because now there's an actual celebrity fight that's going to happen the CEO of of Twitter against the CEO of Facebook at least according to their 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 messages back and forth to one another they're saying let's do this let's get it on uh and so I just brought it up uh you know and I was remembering some of the other great uh, deathmatch fights in the first hour of the show um Bruce Willis and Demi Moore versus Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Remember when those marriages were the thing? Uh, they had Adam Sandler versus Chris Rock, just the comedian battle. David Sp- <laughs> David Spade versus Steven Seagal. I don't remember that one. I don't remember what the uh, uh, what the, uh, the the pairing was for. Uh, but some of these were just absolutely hilarious. Uh, Roseanne Barr versus Kelsey Grammer. Uh, Dolly Parton versus Jennifer Lopez, Michael Jackson versus Madonna, um, Al Pacino versus Robert De Niro. It was they were they had like fifteen twenty seasons of this. No kidding. Uh, it was uh, it was quite no I shouldn't say seasons. They, there were probably let's see first one was in ninety eight it says so it was twenty five years ago, and the last season was two thousand six. So actually about eight seasons and several dozen matches. They were just fun. And now that, uh, like I said, there's one that's happening in real life, kind of, sort of. I just thought it might be kind of cute. Uh, okay, let's hit um, Joe next in uh, Westlake. Joe, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. I'd like to offer three facts on why Twitter was and has been and still is government propaganda and then make a comment on Zuckerberg versus Musk. Fire away. Number one, the economics of Twitter don't make sense. It is nearly always lost money, and its technology doesn't make sense as a business. Either it requires constant cash infusions to keep going, that's true to this day. Number two, uh, Musk uh, betrayed Matt Tybee by preventing Substack links on Twitter. Substack is now uh, the main outlet for, uh, you know, Many conservative and medical freedom uh, writers, yet Musk is uh, censoring that. Number three, Emerald Robinson pointed out that Musk uh, said he was going to release files on Fauci. He never did that. He hasn't commented on that. And he also presented the Twitter files in such a way that conservatives were left out of the discussion. Now, for my comment, I think that Zuckerberg would beat Musk because he's younger and he's trained Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But you know what, Bob? A conservative football player like yourself, you could beat both of them. 
<laughs> Very well done. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. In my younger years, I could. Uh, in the shape I'm in now, absolutely not. I'd be I'd be gassed inside of the first minute in the uh, in the ring, but uh, or in the octagon. Uh, to your point, though, you're right about uh, it still being you know a, 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 a business entity that continues to lose money. As a matter of fact, according to Forbes. Twitter posted a $270 million loss in its first earnings report since the $44 billion must takeover. So it lost $270 million. Now, some of the financial analysts are are calling that uh, uh, the result of the changeover. There was a, a massive defection of users who were, you know, the, the left-wingers who loved their little echo chamber. They loved having the, uh, you know, the conservatives censored and shadow banned and so forth. And they got really mad when Musk came in and said, we're going to reinstate Donald Trump and we're going to reinstate all of these other conservatives who have been suspended from the platform. So there was a big mass exodus there for many of them that probably contributed to that first quarter loss. Um, as well as advertisers, you know, how do they make their money? Obviously, it's their ads, and uh, a lot of them left as well. So that's a first quarter performance since you know the first earnings report, rather since he uh, since he took it over. Is that an indication of how it's always going to be? I can't say that personally. I think it's growing faster now, uh, uh, you know, certainly than when he bought it. Um, and there's going to be a rebound. There's going to be a whole lot of people who come back because of what he is doing. Your point about Matt Talibi, uh and also uh, uh, um, Substack is spot on. Not sure and haven't really gotten a good enough explanation from Elon Musk on that. Uh, and as for the fight, yeah, I think Elon Musk is uh, is probably out of his element if he actually goes through with this thing. Because I think Zuckerberg being 35 and Musk being 51, uh, Zuckerberg being trained, Musk being kind of spongy, and again, I don't throw the the stone from a glass house here. I uh, I'm, I'm I'm more than spongy anymore. But uh, but Elon is probably not in fighting shape, whereas Mark Zuckerberg is. So uh, I think I addressed all of your points. Good stuff. Thank you for the call. We'll be right back after this. Johnny Hiles, my producer, just dropped the best uh, celebrity death match. Donald Trump and Carrie Lake in a mixed tag team match against Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. <laughs> That would be amazing. It wouldn't be much of a fight, though, because uh, Joe Biden can't walk without falling, much less if somebody is actually trying to knock him down. Uh, But then again, uh, you know, President Trump is, again, maybe as I described, uh, Elon Musk isn't exactly in fighting shape either. He's uh, he's a little bit soft in the middle, if you will. Carrie Lake and Kamala would be interesting. Carrie Lake is is a scrapper. But Kamala looks like just a straight up street fighter. You know, Carrie Lake looks like if she got herself trained, she could she could do some damage. Kamala doesn't look like she needs to be trained. Kamala Harris looks like she. I mean, and plus, Kamala will cheat to win. That's the one thing we know. This the only reason she's here is because she made it with with Willie Brown, one of the most influential political power brokers in all of California. Kamala Harris didn't get here on her intelligence. Kamala Harris didn't make it into the United States Senate on her brains or her talent. She knows how to cheat. She knows how to work the system. She knows who to work in the system. So I don't know. I don't know how that one would go out. It would be very, very fun to see the writers of uh, of the MTV Celebrity Death Matches put that one together. I don't know how they would see it. Uh, we got more time for your calls right after this on Always Right Radio. Switching to
Waking Up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Free for All Friday continues on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us. It's 1037. <clears throat> Go right back to the calls here in a second. Uh, first, a quick follow-up on Elon Musk. Different story. Same guy. You have heard, no doubt, in the ongoing battles um, in the culture wars over uh, science versus fantasy, um, the term cis, right? The term cis, C-I-S, is, is, according to the LGBTQ mafia, something that must be used, the prefix that must be used when talking about somebody who is not trans. A trans woman is different than a cis woman. They're all women. They're both women, of course, but cis women are the ones who actually were born, quote, assigned women at birth, and they identify as such as well. Trans were born assigned male at birth, but they know they're really women, and so they go by that moniker. But cis is what they have used. It has driven a lot of people crazy for a very long time, myself included, because there is no need for that prefix. It is a made-up, nonsense word or nonsense prefix, because there are no, there, there, there are only men and women, and there will always be only men and women. There is no option. There is no third option, rather, for, for, for something else. Men and women Ain't are... but two genders. Two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. Men and women, and that's it. There's no need for this prefix. But the left and the LGBTQ mafia like to use that prefix to distinguish between regular women and trans women. And so they, they have put this in play. And what they have done in recent years has begun using it as a pejorative, as a, as a slur, to call somebody just a cis woman. In other words, to make you less than because you're not trans. So Elon Musk had finally heard enough of the complaints and actually sent out a tweet on his platform and declared that cis is a derogatory term for a person who is not trans, and it will now be considered a slur on Twitter, and those who use it will be subject to having their accounts suspended or punished in some way. Now, I feel like moderately hypocritical for saying what I said in the opening segment about Elon Musk being a uh, a free speech absolutist, how can he do what I just got done ripping Zuckerberg for doing? This, which is one of the reasons why I think this fight idea is so interesting. A free speech uh, absolutist versus a very quick on the censor trigger in Mark Zuckerberg by way of his Facebook and, and uh, Instagram platforms. So we say, well, you know, you can't say that Musk is a, is a free speech absolutist if he's going to suspend people for using cis. And so there is a, a, at least a small amount of hypocrisy that I guess you could point uh, you know, at me there and, and, and accuse me of. However, I also believe sometimes you have to fire back, kind of, kind of put the mirror, turn the mirror, and, and, and point it directly at those who are committing these types of, um, you know, these types of censoring and, and speech-suppressing actions. You have to point it right back at them. And you need to say, I have to illustrate the absurd by engaging in the absurd. In other words, if people want conservatives to be silenced because they won't call a trans woman a real woman, which is what they do. They want to silence censor. They want us to be ostracized, fired. 
uh, from our jobs, terminated, not given positions, and so forth. They want us to be punished for not using their language. And the only way maybe to make them see the absurdity is to punish them for using their own bizarre language and not not comporting uh, with with normal scientific standards of human sexuality and human sexes, the human uh, species. So to me, I think what Elon is doing here is not trying to be hypocritical. He's trying to say, you see how they want people who won't acknowledge trans as being real women or trans men as being real men? Well, if they call us cis men and cis women, that's a slur too, so we're going to punish them. The only way sometimes to battle absurdity is with absurdity. And I think he's doing the right thing there. Now, having said that, this is something I did not know until this whole thing came came about, this, this whole uh, cis thing. Do you know where the term cis comes from? Do you know who was the first person to coin it? I did not know this until, uh, like I said, this, this whole thing played out. The term cis was created by a pedophile. The term cis was created by somebody who was looking for ways to kind of legitimize, if you will, um, pedophilia by creating this identity of, of people who are uh, not trans, i.e. normal men and women, uh, without psychological delusions and dysphoria. Um, that's who coined this. And Elon Musk made sure that, and so did others who were supporting him, made sure that everybody knew of this. So if you're engaging in this sort of, you know, uh, you know, cis men believe this and cis women are like this, but trans women and men are just as women and men and they're like this, um, understand what you are normalizing. Understand what you are supporting, essentially, because uh, that's, that's what this is all about. And they made sure, and I think it's an important thing for people to know where this language comes from. The term cis, again, is, um, is, is, is a pejorative on Twitter, and to me, because of the origin and somebody trying to normalize relationships between adults and children, when I say relationships, I mean sexualized relationships, it's just another reason to push back. So I don't believe in censorship, but I understand why Elon Musk is censoring in this case. All right, let's go back to the phones. Um, let's see who is up next. It looks like it is Sally who's been waiting patiently in Berea since hour number one. Sally, go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, something's been bugging me from because of lack of information. A number of Salem stations have been running blurbs <clears throat> regarding, uh, I think it's from a banker's association, some proposed legislation in Congress that would do away with cash, re- cash rewards and other offers to consumers, but... No other information has been given, and I wondered if you had any information about that. I do not, unfortunately. I have not. Um, I mean, uh, cash rewards. So I thought you were going to say doing away with cash altogether, which is another story, uh, because that is something that they're trying to do. You know, digital right. currency and getting rid of cash as a as an option, and and then of course we get into the next level stuff of chipping people, or you can pay with a wave of your hand and those kinds of things. But no, uh, I have not seen anything about the story about getting rid of ca- rid of cash rewards. It sounds like that to me is a personal decision between uh, um, uh, retailers and banks, and uh, whether or not they. They want to. They want to reward people for using their services. If I hear anything else, I'll let you know. Okay. Well, thank you. And you know what, Sally? Thanks for the call. That's what Free For All Friday is all about. I, I really do enjoy doing Free For All because there are topics that are brought up that I'm not aware of. I try to stay as informed as can be. Uh, sometimes I don't hit every story, and I did not hear about that. So thank you for the information. Let's go to uh, BJ, North Olmstead. Hi, BJ. Go ahead, sir. 
Yes, uh, the month of June, we're on the 23rd of June, and from the 8th of what happened to Donald Trump to where we are presently, there's one more big thing this government's going to pull on the American public, because this happened in 1929. There was no reason for depression in 1929, but the bankers decided there had to be. The head of the Federal Reserve Bank, she will provoke a depression. This country is ready for one as far as they're concerned because the country's getting out of hand. The people are getting too vocal, and they have to be controlled. And there's a threat to this president of putting him in jail and his son in jail for what's going on. So they have to have something to defuse all this in the Socialist Party that's running this government now. So Jellen, the head of the Federal Reserve Bank, not only will provoke anti-Semitism because she happens to be a Semitic person, but she will provoke what the bankers have done in the past, a depression or a serious recession to control the people of this country and to confuse them and the hardships. All these people that are living in these beautiful, expensive homes, what do you think will happen to them like it did in 1929? The banks took them back and resold them and broke them up into their multiple properties. So you have to become aware of what's going on behind the scenes because American people are getting out of control as far as the socialist government is concerned. And the fact that the FBI and the CIA are willing to cover for the, the, the Biden family and a few of them are breaking out and saying they're, we're being lied to, this is revolution that's going on politically. It's a political revolution right now. You young folks are going to have your hands full in the coming year. And we're still not at the end of this month. There's going to be a big bomb drop before this month is over. And there may well be one over there in Israel because where the uh, North Koreans sent all these missiles over there to, to the, uh, uh, the Muslim world, what do you think they're going to do to Israel? There will be a nuclear war. So that's the sad thought about what's happening in a beautiful world. Thank you for your time, Bob. Yeah, thank you, uh, BJ, for the call. A lot of deep stuff there. Um, public enemy number one for the American Marxist, or for Marxist period, no matter where they may be, public enemy number one is private, private property. Everything is belo- belongs to the collective, obviously. Uh, private property is, of course, at the center of capitalism. So it is, it is something that needs to go. And, you know, if they have to create a depression, as you're talking about, or a deep, deep recession in order to uh, bankrupt the people and in order for the banks and the government to come sailing in and uh, taking everything over and distributing it equally, this is exactly what their goal is. So I have no doubt <clears throat> that what you're saying is at least in the discussion discussion phase, whether it's Janet Yellen or anybody else, if, if I have no doubt that these things are in the discussion phase or dis- discussion stages and with plans to implement certain things, including economic collapses, in order to institute these things. I don't have a timeline on it. I don't know if it's going to be within the next year or not, or the next couple of years, but um, to say that this is not something that is in the works uh, would be to be foolish, would be to, or to say that it's not possible would be foolish, because it absolutely is, and history has shown us that it is, as you just illustrated. So thank you, BJ. Uh, Derek, in Richfield, on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Derek, what's happening? Hey, good morning, Bob. Thank you. Um, so I called in uh, for, just to uh, suggest a celebrity deathmatch uh, scenario, but um, but first, yet yeah, it's interesting to listen to how languages change, because 
technically the words cis and trans are actually organic chemistry terms. They just refer to the arrangement of molecules, but, um, but that's where I, just from my college days. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, um, so there was a celebrity death match I remember from years ago that I thought was really funny, and it was uh, Elvis Presley versus Jerry Garcia. And it was uh, yeah, quite comical. You know, they just show uh, Jerry Garcia kind of sitting in the, in the corner being stoned and uh, Elvis laying it on him. But um, so I thought, what about to celebrate this week, um, Adam Schiff, Congressman Schiff, versus the truth. And you could have uh, maybe an animated uh, copy of the Constitution uh, opening up a can on a shifty ship there. I would love to see anybody open up a can on shifty shift. I mean, you know, you know what his nickname is, right? Pencil neck, pencil, pencil neck. neck. Yep. <laughs> you know, I would love to see that. I I would put, I would put Melania in a cage against Adam Schiff and just let her defend her husband's honor. And I think she would destroy Shifty Schiff. Uh, and and nothing would. You have you listen. It's an old it's an old thing to say. You know, if there was a picture in the dictionary uh, to as the definition of her, I I think the smile of Adam Schiff should be in the dictionary next to the word smug. I have never seen a more smug looking smile and face with this 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 little lying pencil neck piece of crap. I'm sorry, uh, but he is so smug and he is so secure in himself. Even though he was just censured, only what the 25th member of Congress ever to be censured but he feels like he is above it all and he thinks he's going to skate in as a senator from california he's probably right which is sad uh but yeah i would love to see that death match my friend oh but but you but you heard his response he's defending democracy and um <laughs> you know i think it's, it's just as natural as, as that's what i mean and when he when he gives those responses derek he, he just looks yeah. so smug and so like arrogant like i'm above all of you and he's got his own you know leftists on the on the in the in the house as well saying the reason they're coming after him is because he's been so effective they can't stop him they can't refute him so now they have to censure him and i'm like wait a minute you impeached him over crap that you said you could prove but couldn't prove you claimed you had evidence in plain sight of his collusion and you would spring it when the time was right well wouldn't the impeachment hearings be the time is right you had nothing it's two it's three years after that now and you still have nothing so you know the idea that he can stand there and say uh, I tell you, I wear the censure as a badge of honor because I've been so effective in defending democracy and holding Donald Trump accountable. He hasn't been effective at tying his own shoes, uh, but yet he carries himself the way he does. Yeah, if there was a celebrity death match, I would want I would want uh, Shifty Shift to be a part of it. Good stuff, my friend. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate the call. Uh, if you've got other celebrity death matches uh, that you would like to propose, uh, let's do it. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg versus uh, versus Elon Musk is what launched this. Uh, this is not a celebrity claymation death match that they used to do on MTV. They're actually going to get a, into a ring, into an octagon and fight, according to the, the, the banter back and forth between them. So it just kind of touched off a little fun way to go through our Friday. If you've got a celebrity death match, let's hear it. I'm going to take some of these suggestions this afternoon, too, by the way, as I'm going to be hosting for Sebastian Gorka from 3 to 6 today. So uh, anything you don't get a chance to say here, you can say then. Make sure you tune in 3 to 6 right here on AM 1420, The Answer. I'll be right back.
1055, always right, radio at AM 1420, The Answer. We're going to go to Milton in Beachwood next. Milton on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Milton. Hi, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. And I tell you, I, I we've been hearing for three years they're going to hold Biden accountable. We've got so much effort on your tone of voice today when you were talking about Biden and his son. Why can't we get a trial started? What are they waiting for? I can't understand. It's six months have gone by. We've done nothing. Isn't anybody got the guts to start a trial against Biden and the whole family? Well, you got to remember, the people who make those decisions are the people in the Department of Justice. And the Department of Justice is complicit in what Biden was doing. So they're not going to bring that. a trial against themselves. And that's, which is the only thing we can do then, in lieu of that, Bob. is the public is the public dissemination of this information from our chairs of these uh, you know, oversight judiciary ways and means committees, which is what we're doing. There has to be kind of a public trial if they're not going to bring an actual criminal one. Yeah, I just want to say, Bob, I call Mr. McCarthy every day, mm-hmm. and I keep saying, what are we waiting for? My God, we, we've got all this evidence. Why can't they start a trial? Why can't somebody have the guts? To start a suit against the Biden family. We've got all this information. Keep hearing about Breezemont and all the other stuff that's yeah. corrupted. Yeah, this no, it is. is it is all, and I and I share your frustration, Milton. But so the thing is, Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House. He can't start a criminal trial or a civil lawsuit against the Biden administration. That's not the role uh, of somebody in, in in Congress. What they can do if they decide that the crimes that they have uncovered are serious enough is do what the left did to Trump, and that is file articles of impeachment, which can then what? lead to the Senate trial and the removal of office. But beyond that, but there's not much more they can do without the DOJ being on board. We we have all this evidence of the money coming from China, the money that even went to an uncle of Biden. What does that mean? Doesn't seem to mean anything. Yeah, we, no, we have no, I mean, it, evidence. It, it, yeah, it's it, you know, and here's here's the reality, Milton. And thank you, my friend, for the call, and thank you for your passion. The reality is, um, the road to justice is a long one, and it is made interminably longer by obstacles and roadblocks and those roadblocks are being put up by the department of justice they don't want us to get there so you know our knowledge of by way of the whistleblower this these millions of dollars buttressed by existence according to what we're hearing from the committees uh buttressed by bank records that show this money was received buttressed by the um Text messages and email chains showing the communication between Hunter and Joe and um, energy officials in Ukraine, Romania, China. All of those things should lead to a full, thorough investigation and the bringing of charges against them by the Department of Justice. But since the Department of Justice and its law enforcement arm, the FBI, is complicit in covering up those things, we can never get to that place. We can't get that investigation. And if we got one, it would be a figureheaded investigation. It would be a sham, not one in which they want to get to the actual bottom of it, because at the bottom of it, it would lead to the incarceration, not just of the Biden family, but members of the DOJ and FBI who covered it up. You follow this? 
That's why we aren't going to get that kind of justice. The only kind of justice we can hope for is that enough information is gathered, verifiable and provable, to get impeachment charges against Joe Biden. If we get impeachment articles filed in the House side and send him to trial on the Senate side, we know we won't get a conviction because the the Dems control the Senate, but it would be the same thing they did to President Trump, and at least it would stop the corruption as we know it to be happening for the time being. So I know it's not what you want to hear, but I'm trying to give you as much of a realistic perspective as we we can offer on this. Hour three is coming up. Stay right here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Friends on AM 1420, The Answer. And it is the final hour of a three, uh, excuse me, a free-for-all Friday! I can't yell that the way I wanted to because I actually have four more hours I have to keep the voice for. I'm going to be doing the uh, Sebastian Gorka show this afternoon from three until six, uh, at which time we will talk about a lot of the things you and I are discussing right now this morning on Always Right Radio, so uh, I'll do my best to get through that. Um, it is nine minutes after 11 o'clock. This is a Friday, the 23rd morning of the month of Groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. Just seven days left in this in this month um, of absolute perversion and depravity and uh, just about anything else that you can the deviancy and anything, everything else you can think of. Which, left on its own to its own devices, I wouldn't give a rip about. But when they bring it into our kids' schools, libraries, parks, and playgrounds, now we've got a problem. So the month of groom, uh, which is a recruitment month, not a pride month, uh, is almost over. Let's keep pushing through. Hey, um, I didn't talk about it this morning, which is weird, because I've been spending a, a good portion of the first segment of every show for the last four days prior to today talking about the... Um, uh, submersible, the the uh, trapped five individuals who uh, went down to tour the wreck of the Titanic on the ocean floor, 12,500 feet deep in the North Atlantic. I haven't talked about, uh, talked about it since we got confirmation yesterday that the uh, passengers are indeed lost, meaning lost forever, not lost as in can't find them. They're, they're dead, they're gone. And the countdown that we did on Tuesday and yesterday, or Wednesday and then yesterday, on the number of hours of oxygen left, uh, so the search for them is is getting to desperation mode. As it turns out, it didn't matter, because they were gone from the start. Um, 
According to the authorities, uh, they did find the, the tail cone of the submersible, uh, and it indicates that the entire um, submersible collapsed, collapsed on itself in a catastrophic, massive implosion, which is what I had reported on Tuesday, I think it was, from one of the experts in the field who, who theorized what had happened, that they're not just lost, stuck in some seaweed, running out of oxygen, that if they're non-communicative, it's because the entire thing imploded. It couldn't handle the pressure of 6,000 pounds of water pressure per square inch uh, on this uh, on this submersible. And now we have some of the confirmation. And I want to read uh, one of the best descriptions from the experts in the field. Uh, when a submarine hull collapses, it moves inward at about 1,500 miles per hour. That's 2,200 feet per second. The time required for complete collapse is 22,200 seconds, or about one millisecond. A human brain responds instinctually to stimulus at about 25 milliseconds. Human rational response, going from sense to reason to action, is at best 150 milliseconds. You understand what we're saying here? If there are small mercies to this story... And thank God for small mercies, they had no idea. They did not see it coming. They did not feel it coming. They did not experience it. They went from alive to gone faster than, than you can blink your eye. As a matter of fact, let me finish the, the scientific breakdown here. The air inside a submarine has a fairly high concentration of hydrocarbon vapors. When the hull collapses, it behaves like a very large piston on a very large diesel engine. The air auto-ignites, and an explosion follows the initial rapid implosion. Large blobs of fat, which would be human beings, incinerate and are turned to ash and dust quicker than you can blink your eye. So the moment that craft, which was not built to withstand that pressure, and by the way, that's not all of those crafts, um, it's important to note that while this particular situation was very risky, obviously, as we know in the in the aftermath, and many people felt uh, that it was too dangerous beforehand, it's because of this particular company and this particular craft design, which they took shortcuts on, according to a number of individuals close to the company, including a former a former employee who was fired for demanding more safety protocols. Right? That doesn't mean that. Ocean floor exploration, whether it be for the Titanic or any other part of the ocean, is is um, automatically determined to be unsafe or risky or dangerous and worthy of scorn and ridicule. James Cameron, the movie maker who uh, who made uh, Titanic, the movie Titanic, um, has been to the wreck of the, the Titanic thirty three times, thirty three times. Um, and they have never had any inkling of a problem because they were using the correct equipment. They were using the right type of vessel to go down there. Um, and he wants everybody to know that this isn't like you know some Russian roulette thing every time you go down to, to the ocean floor. Exploration is, I mean, it's the driver of all, 
of all our advances, right, of all of our technology, of all of our knowledge, exploration, and exploring the ocean floor, whether it's, again, to the Titanic or, or something else, it, it's not something that should be scorned or ridiculed. And he said, I've been down there 33 times. As a submersible designer myself, I designed and built a sub to go to the deepest place in the ocean. In fact, three times deeper than Titanic. So I understand the engineering problems associated with building this type of vehicle and all the safety protocols that you have to go through. That obviously the Ocean Gate CEO did not mandate. And he felt confident enough, by the way, that this, this, this submersible that his company was using to go down there was, was structurally sound enough um, that he went in it himself. He is one of the deceased. He's one of the five individuals to lose their lives in this, the CEO of Oceansgate. Um, but James Cameron went on to say that the problem was is that the Titan submersible was made out of carbon fiber, which is stronger than steel or aluminum, which is lighter than steel or aluminum, but has, quote, no strength in compression. End quote. And that implosion, according to uh, James Cameron, who again is an expert in this field, when an object collapses inward on itself, would have been extremely violent to the tune of around 10 cases of dynamite going off. So they didn't know it was coming. They didn't feel a thing. And that's, again, one of the small mercies. Um, to give you an idea of what was done to that submersible down there at that pressure, it would be like taking a beer can and putting it on a driveway and dropping an anvil on it. Um, it would have crumpled so fast that nothing inside would have had any opportunity to react. Or as I said, that's the reason I wanted to kind of read that that, that scientific breakdown that I just did about the, uh, about the speed at which human beings can recognize and process and sense Something, whether it be a feeling, a feeling of pain, a feeling of existence, or anything else. I mean, sense, reason, to reaction is, takes 150 milliseconds. This whole thing happened in about one millisecond. So you understand my point. The last thing I'm going to say about this is I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit disgusted um, at the classism. And if I want to be a little bit... Uh, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for here is, but if I want to be a little bit uh, uh, redundant, the classless classism that I'm seeing right now is astounding. I'm seeing memes, Titanic 2, rich people, zero. Talking about the wreck of the Titanic, now the wreck of the submersible that was down there touring the Titanic, rich people, zero. What I am seeing is the manifestation of the worst in humanity based on one of the worst elements of humanity, one of the worst parts of our personalities and our makeup, and that's jealousy. People seem to think that because rich people died, it's okay. If you had $250,000 to go down there and just go on a sightseeing tour, well, then you get what you deserve. I am disgusted by that mindset. People are so jealous of the wealthy, and it's a very leftist, socialist, collectivist, redistribution of wealthist mindset that, that you can imagine. And there are people that I know online who are conservatives who are mocking this. And, they're, and they're, they're basically saying rich people get what they deserve when they try to make the world their playground. And And I would submit to you, 
that if it was free for people to go and tour the wreck of things like the Titanic safely, every one of us would do it. If it, if it only cost you $250, how much you pay for your last vacation? How much you pay for your last cruise? 5000 8000 10000 what did it take to take your family on a cruise? What if it was what if it was $250 and you can go and see one of the most historic sites or the the site of the wreck of one of the most historic ships in history, the greatest uh mar- most maritime disaster in Amer- in in world history really. And it was $250 to do. You'd do it. And if you died down there, nobody would say you deserved it. But these guys pay 250,000, to them it's like 250 bucks. And the, the classism and the anger and the vitriol directed at them because they're wealthy is just repugnant. These are lives. These are people who had families. And I don't care if their families have more money than you do, live in a bigger house than you do, live in a bigger house than I do. The idea that we can't be compassionate, that so many people are looking at it and mocking the wealthy because the wealthy deserve what they get when they get to do things that the rest of us don't get to do. I said this on the program yesterday, I think it might have been Wednesday, I don't know, at the beginning of the show. Do you, do you joke when somebody jumps out of a perfectly good airplane and their chute doesn't open? That's, that's an adventurist. Somebody, an adventurist who wants to jump out of airplanes, skydiving. It's a very, very popular thing with a lot of people. When the chute doesn't open and a disaster happens, do you mock them for being adventurous? Do you mock uh, the, 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 the climbers who say, I want to experience it and I want to climb to the top of the world, otherwise known as Mount Everest, and they die on the way up, do you mock them? Do you laugh at them? Most people don't. Most people say that's sad. But we're laughing at the people who died in that submersible because, they, because they're rich and they deserve it because they get to do things that you don't get to do and I don't get to do. I just find it very, very leftist of us for those who, who who are doing that for those who are sharing memes for those who are saying <clears throat> i wish joe biden was in that or on the other side saying i wish donald trump was in that it's submersible it's just it's it's just it's 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 so unbecoming of us it just is like I said, there are lives here, and that is a terrible thing. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, I also don't like the idea that these are just rich people disturbing a gravesite of the Titanic. Do you know that in the hundred and, what, 11 years now since that shipwreck, that ship and all of its contents are being eaten away uh, by the ocean, and in a few more decades, it'll be gone forever. No one will ever be able to see it. The opportunity to go down and see it, and for the, to, to preserve history, I believe in the preservation of history, uh, and all of it, all of history, so that it can be learned from, so that it can be studied, so that it can be appreciated for its its moment in time. It's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. And for people to go down there and preserve and protect and and to see and to bring back images and so on and so forth, it is exploration. Just because it also happens to be the site of an infamous uh, accident. It is still exploration of the ocean floor. And if that's what draws you down there, like I said, exploration has been the father of innovation since the beginning of mankind. And I have no problem with exploring the ocean floor any more than I do exploring uh, the, the, you know, the outer spaces among us, above us. And, uh, and I don't 
hold a grudge against people who can afford to do those things because they're wealthy. They're people, and when a tragedy happens, I think people need to recognize them for that. Am I calling them heroes? No. There's some people under saying, why are we making these people out to be heroes? We're not. They're heroes. They're victims of a tragic accident. A tragic accident that was probably aided by some carelessness from the uh, company and the CEO, but they're victims. That's what they are. And like I said, the last thing, last time I checked, particularly of people with decency, morals, and values, we don't mock the deaths of victims just because they happen to have more money than we do. That's all I'll say about it. I'll be back. Okay, 1126, TJ is in Cleveland, wants to talk about that submersible, horrific situation. Good morning, TJ. Fire away, my friend. Morning, Bob. You know, this uh, thing made me think about two of our nuclear subs we lost, you know, with the same thing, an implosion. Yeah. Uh, one was, what, in the early 60s and one in 68. Uh, you know, I don't care what Cameron says. When you're dealing with pressures like that, even the highest technology, it's still dangerous. Uh, and, you know, unlike these poor victims, them sailors on them subs, they knew what was coming. You know, they knew it was the, it was the subs were going deep. They couldn't stop it. And they all realized they're going to reach a, a crush depth, you know, yep. sooner or later. Yep. But, yeah, it's, it's a tragic thing. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I actually... You know what I did, TJ? I know it's Hollywood, uh, but... Um, when this was going on, I think it was on Tuesday, and you know, and I first heard about the likelihood of it being an implosion because of the whole uh, uh, crush uh, effect of the of the water pressure. I watched Crimson Tide again, which is one of my favorite movies. Anyway, I love Denzel, I love Gene Hackman. It's one of my favorites. But the scene where they were hit, uh, but not enough to you know to to destroy them, but they were hit enough that it knocked out the uh, propulsion, and so they were going down. And as they monitored the depth, you know, hull crush depth, I remember was eighteen hundred fifty feet. And as they went to fourteen hundred and fifteen hundred, and they were knowing they were on their way down, and they had no way of stopping. And eventually, propulsion was restored, and the movie ended the way the movie ended, as they made it. But that's what I thought of exactly what you just said that that in the military subs that are lost like that where they're going down they know it's coming and that has to be a million times worth worse because these people thought that they were in a craft that could withstand it and was going to tour the Titanic like it's been done dozens and dozens and dozens of other times by other submersibles they figured they were safe and then bang just out of nowhere they're gone you're a thousand percent right. I thought about those who have gone down and didn't know it was coming. Or yeah, did, no. know, did know it was coming, excuse me. Yeah, no, it, 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 it really is tragic, and you think about them, them poor sailors and stuff. But, you know, uh, much like this story here, it was poor maintenance on them submarines that caused that accident, too. At least the first one, uh, the second one, I think it was on, uh, the uh, Scorpion, it was on a trial run. Yeah. And something happened, it froze up, uh, they couldn't blow their ballast, you know, to come to the surface, and it just kept going down deeper and deeper until it reached, like, crush depth. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's a sad thing, and if you're dealing with stuff like that, you better make sure your machine is uh, is working properly, tested. And you're right, there are reports that uh, this guy cut all kinds of corners, 
Yes, you know, he did. He so. did. He fired. It was in 2018 as he was building these things. He fired his like chief safety guy who wanted more. You know, I mean, according to what James Cameron and other experts who have gone down there, like I said, you know, three dozen times, um, the the crafts that they go down in have spent hundreds of hours being tested at various uh, pressure uh, pressure levels and so forth. Uh, you cannot take shortcuts because you're literally talking about instantaneous death in, if you're wrong. Yep. And for this guy, the owner of this particular company or the CEO to to as you say take those shortcuts and not undergo that rigorous um, you know those rigorous testing protocols is in, unconscionable and and he would be public enemy number one if he did those things that we all know about now and sent other people down there just just them he would be public enemy number one he'd be brought up on charges but because he went down in it himself. He had to have believed it was okay. He really trusted his own his own craft, and it cost him and four other people their lives. And, and you know, Bob, I was watching a, a, a thing there on it, one of these deep dive missions there. And, you know, it's not just the hall. One tiny little crack, and that's going to happen. Uh, they had one that was going down. It wasn't on the Titanic, but even deeper. And as they were going down, just a little hairline crack in the window, and they had to get it up quick. Because just one little crack, and boom. Instant implosion. On the lighter side, Bob, I talked to somebody talking about the Titanic, yeah. and they actually believe that Jack and Rose were real characters. You know, Some in that people. movie. I mean, that movie came out in 1997. It has been discussed upside one side and down the other to death, and it, they made it clear from then, 1997, that these are fictional characters. They just needed somebody to focus on to really capture the emotion of the of the sinking. And and people think it's real after you know what has it been now 26 years? They think uh, those characters are real. There is yeah, 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 they do. They think they're real. There's no cure for stupid, my friend. There's no cure for stupid. People who think that are just are just flat out stupid. You know, the best part about it, and thanks, TJ, for the call. I got to get to the break here it's 11 31 the best part about it is they have been very very honest so is james cameron about what they got right and what they got wrong now that they have seen more about the sub on the ocean floor about how it went down about how it broke when it broke uh you know the fact that it wasn't a 90 degree you know turn for the uh for for the uh 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 the stern to go down the way that they portrayed it in the movie he said you know they know so much more now about it than they did so they're very very honest about what is real what is fake and yes what people are real and fake from that movie i'm a titanic history buff i'm a nerd i can't i can't really help that but uh but i appreciate that call thank you tj we'll be back Life, liberty, and the pursuit of always right radio with Bob France on the answer. Well, you can't win all of them. Breaking news the Supreme Court sided with the Biden administration eight to one against Texas and Louisiana that challenged the immigration enforcement priorities, mostly on standing. In holding that Texas and Louisiana lack standing, we do not suggest that federal courts may ever uh, may never entertain cases involving the ex- executive branch's alleged failure to make more arrests or bring more prosecutions, said Brett Kavanaugh, joined by Chief Justice John Roberts, Justices Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. 
Uh, Justices Gorsuch, Thomas, and Coney Barrett concurred in the judgment. In his dissent, Judge Alito wrote that the majority's decision renders states already laboring under the effects of massive illegal immigration even more helpless, arguing that Texas did have standing to sue. So basically, this one, if you didn't know, uh, this one, uh, Texas and Louisiana basically challenged the guidelines issued by the Department of Homeland Security two years ago that prioritized arresting and removing certain groups of illegals, including suspected terrorists and criminals. The court decided today that the two states lacked standing to challenge the federal guidelines. That doesn't necessarily mean that they were wrong, but they didn't have the standing here. So we'll just file this one under a loss and a continued fight against the erasure of our border and our sovereignty. Uh, Navy man Norm is in Strongsville. Norm, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away, good sir. Well, like you said, chalk up another one for the bad guys. What can I say? You know, Bob, this is just getting to the point that it's just ridiculous how this crime family enterprise can get away with this uh, is just beyond me. This rotten, trash news media, including all of our local TV stations and uh, rag newspaper uh, in Cleveland, don't don't even report a scintilla of truth on their evening news or in their uh, raggedy blank paper. Um, I'm just curious regarding Hunter Biden. He has a show, 170 show corporations across the country, two of which are in Ohio. How is it that our attorney generals um, and David Yost, I think, is one of the finest attorney generals in our country, uh, cannot look at those operations of those shell Subchapter S phony corporations and do an investigation. And if they are finding show criminality, charge them at the state level. Okay. They might not have to be, they might not be able to go through DOJ at the federal level, but they sure as hell could charge them at the state level. So I think it would be incumbent upon these attorney generals in these various states. I think there's 170, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Hunter Biden, Shell Corporation. I, I, I had not heard that number. James Comer identified 20 Shell companies that they know that the funds from Burisma and, uh, in, in Ukraine and the Chinese company, uh, that those funds traveled through before arriving into the bank accounts of the Bidens. Then they claim to have the bank records showing the companies through which that money was passed, but he identified 20. It doesn't mean there aren't more, but he just identified yeah. 20. I hadn't heard about the 170 number, At but, two, but I'll tell you what. Those 20. To your point, yeah. to, to your point, uh, Norm, I, I'm willing to try anything. I'm with you. If I can't get the federal DOJ to do something, if there is somebody who can do it on a state level, uh, you know, an AG that can investigate, I guess you would have to have a reason for the investigation at the state level. I don't know how that works. I don't know if, you know, a Dave Yost can say, "Hey, I saw on TV the Oversight Committee, uh, you know, in in the uh, U.S. Congress uh, found these questionable, uh, you know, uh, funds uh, being funneled through to the Bidens, and uh, there's a couple of those companies here. I'm going to check it out. I don't know if there yeah. has to be an actual accusation, an allegation, any kind of a reason to launch a statewide investigation or a state uh, 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 Department of Justice investigation. But to to, to your point, like I said, I'm willing to try anything. Yeah, I believe a combination of both money laundering and also the RICO Act, okay, might be, you know, cause for them to look into this. In fact, I, I, 
I'm writing a letter this today, and I'm going to send it by certified mail to Dave Yost. I met him personally uh, last year at a North Royalton rally, and he's a straight shooter. I mean, well, you, well, you know what? You know what should you know what should make this happen? He doesn't need to hear this from you. What if we're going to make this happen? And, and Norm, I got to go. I thank you for the call. Is somebody in the in the oversight committee who is looking into this at the federal level needs to say, okay, here is the location of some of the shell companies, and if two of them are in Ohio, I would imagine they could reach out and say we re- re- respectfully request assistance from the Ohio Attorney General uh, into these particular companies, and we're looking for evidence of uh, questionable transactions made uh, on behalf of you know anybody in the biden family i would think that would be the place this should start if it's ever going to get handled by somebody at a state level norm thank you uh, i'm willing to try it my friend roger in brunswick hi roger go ahead a little context to that a little context to that submersible sure. i found a an, an internet site that said that uh, the ocean gate uh, submersible had been twice before to the titanic once a year and also it did well, they claim on their website that it had done 50 other dives to similar depths in the Bahamas. So, uh, just a little context. I'm not relieving anybody. And maybe that's why, yeah, and maybe that's why the CEO felt confident in going down. Okay, see, and I, I did not know that. I did not hear that. According to most of what I've read, they indicated that this was the maiden voyage. This was the, you know, the first time to go down to the Titanic, whereas other companies have gone down many, many dozens of times. This one had not. So, you know, maybe, maybe that is the reason why he felt comfortable because they did it before. That could, could very well be. Okay, I took a lot of digging to get to that, to even find that. Yeah, I believe it, because like I said, I, I've been reading up about as much of it as I can, and I never found that. I never dug that, so thank you for that info, Roger. I appreciate it. Uh, the music's playing, so that means we're done. Um, I apologize to those people left on hold. Uh, the only thing I can offer you now is a chance to make up for it at 3 o'clock. I will be on in place of Dr. G, Sebastian Gorka, America First, today from 3 until 6. So if you want to get on and talk about any of these things we did here and you didn't get your voice heard, by all means, I'll take your calls then. If you're going to wait until the next Always Right Radio, I'll see you on Monday morning. Thank you to my team, uh, Johnny and Marcy and Marianne, and thank you to you for listening. Be well, be safe, stay free, have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday morning right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Bye-bye. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.